Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at ComedyWham or on our ComedyWham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our monthly Comedy Wham showcase at Hobson Time in Lakeway. Our next one is Tuesday, December the 7th, and an events page for live shows in Austin and Houston. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the counter, go to the events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. And we've now joined the Patreon bandwagon. Search for Comedy Wham on Patreon and check out the ways that you can support what we do at Comedy Wham. We've got some fun treats for subscribers. Oh, and you can pay Power Venmo us too. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Now Valerie takes a deep breath because she has not taken a single breath in that entire thing. (laughs) (laughs) Today I'm bringing back a returning guest and I'm so excited because this is my first in-home interview since covid so i I did it up i got the bottle of water provided and a little box of treats uh legal treats by the way uh for my (laughs) guest uh this is a returning guest and uh she she charms me so much with her expertly balanced highbrow and yet lowbrow humor uh she is one of my son's favorite local comics and uh i've really enjoyed watching her thrive post pandemic Uh, First off, she's got the launch of her own unique monthly show, High Tea at the Ballroom. Uh, She opened for Fortune Feimster in September, and I was very excited to see her at Moon Tower. Um, She opened for Vanessa Gonzalez, who's one of our hometown heroes gone big, (laughs) and national hero of comedy, Maria Bamford. Patron saint. Mm -hmm, Yeah. And she recently headlined the Velveeta Room in October. By the way, you didn't check my schedule. I was out of town that weekend. Otherwise, I would have been there. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Uh, She's just back from her run at the New York Comedy Festival's Tall Tales of Comedy Finals, a national competition, and that was pretty darn darn exciting that you were on the finals. Mm -hmm. And she just announced that she's going to San Francisco Sketch Fest with her... Sketch, weird improv, I'm not sure. Uh, my sketch it. writing partner. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Strong Male Leads is the name of the show. And now, if you haven't figured it out by now, please welcome back Comedy Presents our returning guest, Brett Vervoort. Hello. I just, like, I'm Brett Vervoort. I didn't want you to think I was intentionally butchering that. I oh, no. My... It is. It's, like, really hard to pronounce. It's like a mouthful of marbles or, like, the <laughs> sound you get when you try and start up a dead car. It's like, brr, brr. <laughs> yeah. Even typing it out on a keyboard, I get exhausted. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well Brett, welcome back. Happy to be back. And actually, you hosted me in your home the last time. Yes. You made it very, we sat at a low table. You served tea. It was very proper. That's me. <laughs> you walk in here, and it's a tornado of madness because I was missing a component to my usual soundboard. And I don't have all of your things ready and settled because I like to, you know, do things uh, nice for my guests. So, uh 
you well, you spoil me. I mean, <laughs> really, you know, we do comedy, so I'm usually just like rolling off somebody's bed of a stranger that I knew, <laughs> and like picking out like little pieces of debris from between my yeah. toes. <laughs> <laughs> like uh this is quite a spread for yeah. me so i think i think you do yourself a disservice well i'm uh very excited to talk to you again i was listening to uh, our first time talking and that was back in 2018 so much has changed <laughs> so much has changed and there were i i usually I typically don't do this, but I was actually, I re-listened twice because it was so good. Oh, really? There oh, was that's so nice. There was so much, like, there were so many great gems. Like, um, you could do so many sound clips out of that one and oh. create, like, a master class level thing. Ooh, okay. So, well, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll save this one, too. <laughs> yeah. Make some money on the side. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Patreon. There's, you know, we'll do <laughs> yes, a little side please. clips of, of Brett's uh, musings. Yeah, hey. <laughs> One of the cool things that was in in that episode was you talking about how you love hosting people and making them feel welcome. Yeah. And I'm like, and now she has high tea. Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Which, you know, bad on me. I've not gone to one of your shows yet, and I don't know how to describe the show. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty simple format. The first half is just a regular stand-up show, so I bring three comics on, and they'll do, like, 10-minute sets. Uh, and during that time, I have the audience write down questions based on the comic set or about them as people, just things that they're curious about. And then at the end, we have an audience Q&A where the audience can ask those questions. I pick them out randomly out of a box, so uh-huh. if you're ashamed of your question, you don't have to sign it. <laughs> Although some people, weirdly, with strange questions, will sign their name, like they're proud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'll ask the comics and kind of mediate the discussion, but it's usually a really fun time because um, it gets to show the comics as themselves yeah. uh, and not just doing their standard material. And the audience usually is very into it. They love hearing their questions asked. Uh, It makes them feel like they're a part of the show, which I think is really great. Mm -hmm. And my favorite audience question of the night wins a pack of five CBD pre-rolled joints (laughs) from a women-owned hemp farm. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So, you know, for the low, low price of $5, (laughs) you could walk away a winner. (laughs) And also get some comedy and a cheap date. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. That's nice. And is it a, it's a monthly? It's a once a month show at the ballroom. Uh, Yeah. And what I've noticed is it's kind of cultivated this sort of date night energy, which I'm Hmm. trying to lean into. Maybe I'll get some little candles or something. Um, Because I see a lot of couples that come to the show and they grab a table and they just have a nice night together. Uh, And hey, you know, that's the vibe. That's the vibe. (laughs) Uh, But it's nice though, because I get to hear my friends kind of open up and we can all joke with each other on stage. And I think, uh, people love that being able to see people banter. Right. Yeah. So, so it's kind of a mix of stand up, a little bit of improvisational conversation. Yeah. Just a little talk show at the end, you know, very casual. Yeah. A little Oprah. (laughs) Yeah. A little Oprah. (laughs) Minus the cars. Well, minus the money. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about it. No. Talk about sound bites for her. (laughs) Yeah. 
Okay, so then the other thing, and this is where we're going to pick up with the really meaty part of our conversation, is you may remember I have like an opening word, like a, one word to describe your past, one word to describe your future. Oh, yes. Do you remember your words? I don't. Okay, that's why the t- technology is amazing, because I can go back and re-listen. So your past word was sorted, mm. and your future word was promising, We will revisit your future word if you want to change it at the end. But at the end of the last uh, podcast that that you joined me on, you promised me that on our revisit, you would tell me about your sordid past. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Now, now you did say that, but I'm not going to really hold you to that. But that was kind of a fun little... Uh, I know. Right. I mean, post-pandemic, aren't all of our paths sorted? Right. Or maybe it's not sorted or it's so- sorted with a T, yeah. you know? It's sorted. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's put away. We boxed yeah. it up. <laughs> um, so for anybody that, that doesn't know Brett, Brett, we met in, two, well, we interviewed in 2018, and you were about two years into comedy at that time, which when I heard that, because it didn't, it didn't click for me at the time, Two years to be where you were at at that time is phenomenal, especially when now I think, okay, now it's five years and the things you've accomplished in five years is also quite phenomenal. Uh, It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone's more surprised than me. (laughs) (laughs) And then throw in a pandemic in the middle that... That really stalled everybody. Yeah. I mean, I remember... Oh, I remember like when the pandemic happened because it was in March is when everything started shutting down. Mm-hmm. And I remember like being very excited for Moon Tower because I was thinking that was going to be my first Moon Tower that I was ever going to do. And just like I was starting to get booked more regularly at CAP as like a feature performer, mm-hmm. which was such a huge step up for me. Um, and starting for people to take me seriously as a headliner in my own right. And then the pandemic happened. And then it just felt like, ah, oh, such a huge step back. Yeah. Uh, because you're worried, you know, so much of this business is about staying relevant. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, what if, yeah. <laughs> what if no one remembers who I am? <laughs> my name's so hard to pronounce. Yeah, right. They'll just forget about me. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, let's just book someone with a two-syllable name. <laughs> book another Sam. <laughs> um, so I was worried about that. I was. Was that 2020, was that your first Moon Tower landing? Like, you- Oh, um, I mean, my first one was the one that this past pandemic. Okay, because by then, don't they, they have already named all of their Moon Tower, like, local? Yeah, I don't think I was named, but I okay. think what it was is uh, Beth Stelling was on that lineup, mm-hmm. and she was going to be performing at CAP. And I think Cap had asked me uh, if I would host okay. that weekend. So I don't know if I was on the lineup, but I was still so excited to meet Beth. Yeah. And like, I was like, ooh, is a step in the right direction? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was, it was adjacent. It was Moon Tower adjacent. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll count it as the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And in 2018, we were talking about being invited or being uh, assessed by cap for hosting so now it's like okay you're yeah regularly hosting yeah by, i'm by getting them. a lot of hosting gigs and uh and before the pandemic they had had me feature for a couple people 
which was awesome um, because they're like, oh, okay, well, can we liked what you did with 10. Can we see what you do with 20? <laughs> You're like, oh my goodness. Um, but it was so great. It was such a great challenge for me and just like, uh, just such an amazing opportunity. Yeah. And because of that, you know, I got to know the Moon Tower people pretty well and Cap helped with that a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I was able to do Moon Tower this past year. They had me. They had me working. Yeah. I felt like an on-call doctor. I get a call in the middle of the day. What are you doing today? You were in a lot of places. <laughs> I was in a lot of places. I'm glad I I brought flats because yeah. I was I was running around downtown. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I think one of the things that I like about you is, and I don't, you know, I called you. I, I said you had a mom vibe on stage, and you were okay with that. Mm-hmm. And now I'm gonna say, well, I view you as a consummate professional. Like, I think you're very professional about taking seriously your bookings. And I think that's reflected by Cap City bringing you back again and again. And, you know, the word gets out to the Moon Tower folks. Yeah. Um, is that, uh, is that uh, a label that you're okay with? Because in the comedy scene, you know, there's people that are like, I don't care how people perceive me. No, I, oh, I absolutely care. <laughs> Put that on the record. Um, it's funny though, uh, I've kind of become this like girl Friday, old reliable where it's just like, people are like, we book you and we know that you're consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, you're going to deliver. Yeah. And, uh, it's a nice to be thought of that way. I mean, I wish, I wish it was a little sexier. <laughs> I wish it was a little more flash in the pants and they're like, wow, yeah. Brett, she got some real razzle dazzle. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like if my job is to make people laugh and I consistently deliver on that promise, yeah. I'm like. That's great. Yeah. You know, because I've gone to restaurants where one night the food is amazing and the next night you eat a different chef and you're like, what is this hot garbage? Yeah. And if I'm somewhere you want to eat every day, great. <laughs> yeah. Comfort food. Comfort food. With a laugh. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the trends can come and go. We can have this small cupcakes. We can have this sushi, sashimis. But, you know, yeah. I'm mac and cheese. <laughs> and I'll fill you up. Yeah. And you'll see me once a year at least. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I I think for anybody to have longevity in this business, which I kind of expect that that's what you're going for. Yes. And if one of these days you're going to get picked up for a writing job in L.A. or New York, that you kind of want that reputation. Yeah. I mean, I want to be someone that's easy to work with and uh, that people can rely upon and, and stuff like that. And also... Uh, I mean, it's it's a, it's a struggle to be consistent, you mm-hmm. know, because half the time in this business you're like fighting your own mental illness, <laughs> just yeah. to just to um, just to be able to do the work so yeah. well, you know, and uh, so I think if I can just consistently bring joy to others, that'll that'll make me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How how did the the pandemic and the shutdown affect you? Oh boy! Oh gosh! <laughs> Um, I think, uh, I think it was like a, it was a come to Jesus moment or a reckoning as it were, Mm -hmm. just cause with the pandemic, everything shut down, all the comedy shut down. And then when everything was shut down, you realized how much psychologically you needed all these things to keep yourself busy, to distract yourself from all these things. So without those distractions, without the million things I was doing to keep myself busy, I had to really 
process some stuff that I hadn't processed and grieve some stuff that I hadn't grieved. Um, just about like my childhood and just my identity and stuff like that. And then you kind of get to this moment where like literally to survive this, I have to decide that I like myself Hmm. and that I'm something worth saving. And I mean, I feel like I've made that progress. Uh, I've had, I've luckily had a very supportive partner and I got a cat, uh, which gives me no emotional support. (laughs) And I don't know what it says about my childhood, but weirdly I respond to it. Uh Um, But you make the decision to like, like yourself to survive. And I've made that choice. And Mm. I feel like having had that experience, now that comedy's back, I feel like it's been able to help with that consistency because like, there's so many times your imposter syndrome like pops mm-hmm. up in your head. Like I got to, I got to open for Maria Bamford, which is like my hugest oh, yeah. idol in the world. Like there's photos on my phone. I'm smiling so big I could unhinge my jaw and eat a turkey. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm smiling so big. I'm so stupid happy. Yeah. But I had to tell myself that I deserve that, and I was just as funny as everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's so scary at a place with like Moon Tower. Where there's all these big names and you're like a fan of everybody Mm -hmm. and you're working alongside them just to be like, I'm as funny as everybody else. I deserve to be here. And it helped me with that. And I feel like I I was able to do my job better because I had those tools that the pandemic gave me. Wow. (laughs) It's crazy that I've now had two interviews and I, I don't know if it's the equipment that does this but I interviewed Roxy and she was the first person that I brought out all my gear for yeah and her her reaction during COVID was something also you know like self-discovery now that I don't now that I have to stop everything all these distractions my calendar is a a blank slate oh I got to figure out that I like myself yeah or not or not but I better like myself if I'm gonna you know keep going and yeah um, the other thing that's interesting to me is like I'm I'm noticing like w- the women that I've had conversation with, po- yes, things have been opening up are much more like in tune to how the COVID served in that purpose, mm-hmm. whereas the guys are like, oh, you know, I tried to do this or that, or I just stopped writing, or you know, I don't know if that what that says about gender, but it's interesting that that the women that I've spoken to are much more introspective about what the shutdown did for them. I mean, I feel, I'm sure the guys went through their own thing, but maybe they haven't found the way to verbalize it for themselves yet. Um, Because I've seen some of my friends grow, and even if it's ways that they can't attest to, Mm -hmm. like if I ask them about it, they just be like, I'm just doing my thing. (laughs) Yeah. I'd be like, but there is something different. Yeah. Like you, like there is something different about the the way you hold yourself or the way you present yourself or just like, or, you know, just trying something new. I've seen like, I think Bradley Ursh wrote a whole pilot that he Mm -hmm. recently submitted to the Austin Film Festival. And I think it made it through the script, um, which is an awesome thing. Mm -hmm. Like they're exploring, because people couldn't do comedy, they had all these side projects and they're making themselves better artists. So maybe even if they didn't channel that 
I inward mm-hmm. and they were like, I'm just going to create things. That's also, creation is also a form of introspection. Yeah. So I think maybe it's the same way, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mine's just intangible. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do anything at all during the pandemic that worked those creative muscles? Um, well, me and my uh, sketch writing partner, Franny, we've been working on a web series, a period piece web series, because we're both like Jane Austen fans, <laughs> nerds. I host a show called High Tea. Yeah. I have a brand and I'm leaning in. Yeah, good. Um, so it's about these two friends in uh, this period in England, uh, and they're from different social classes, and they go on this journey together to protect this one girl's honor because she sends a note when she's drunk. And so we have to track down this letter and save her reputation, but in the process, finding friendship all along. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's it was such a fun exercise uh, especially because period pieces are so insanely expensive to produce. Yeah. But I was just like, let's just write it like we had a million dollars budget. Like, let's write it like we're not trying to make it, yeah. but just to write it. Yeah. And it was so fun. Uh, and then there's still sections of it I'll reread when we're like having our writing meetings and they still crack me up. It's so silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always wanted to do a British piece. I don't know why, but I've always <laughs> an American interpretation of British humor, but it's so absurd and silly and physical. And yeah, that was what we worked on. Yeah. Uh, I also got really in shape briefly. Uh, I was working out in my closet. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Just like a, like a closeted gay. I was, I was working out and getting really swole, just doing like hip thrusts and stuff and then i told myself i was going to teach myself french uh but i mostly just use it to speak to my cat oh <laughs> um i'm still telling myself i'll teach myself french you could come visit us we speak french oh so on peut parler avec toi uh un peu <laughs> oh that's good je comprends you, un peu yeah. français yeah. <laughs> i've been practicing <laughs> very little though yeah well, those are good. Those are good uh, things. You know, we I I have to laugh at at Chris Tellez's you know health journey during the COVID. He's one of those people. It's like, fuck you, man. You shouldn't have gotten that healthy. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. Crazy. He's he's like I cured diabetes. Yeah, I mean, it's that's just like awesome. just one step away from Joe Rogan, just like mainlining ivermectin. <laughs> he's gonna tell me about how I'm getting well, and I'm like, dude, you're forty years old. <laughs> but it is crazy. It also makes me mad as a woman, just how quickly he lost weight. Right. And then I'm like, I'm just like looking at the scale every day. And I was just like, how much soup can I eat? <laughs> makes me mad. Yeah. But bless. I'm, I'm so happy for him because like, uh, yeah. you know, we, we got to take care of our health because it's not going to get any cheaper no, <laughs> in this country. It's not easy as you get older either. Oh, I know. I was talking yeah. to my grandma and she's just like. She's just like, if I could tell you how many doctors told me I would be dead yesterday, <laughs> Brett, you would laugh. But I'm still here. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. When did you start writing jokes again in the whole pandemic timeline? Oh, gosh. I mean, it was after I had start like comedy slowly started coming back and I was doing a lot of old material. I wasn't really talking about the pandemic 
And I don't think a lot of people were, or there were a lot of guys that had pan- post-pandemic jokes who are just like, so I masturbated a yeah. lot. And you're like, okay. Ugh, all right. Super creative. Yeah, we get it. You had a lot of time on your hands <laughs> and a lot of yourself on your hands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I didn't touch it for a while. And then uh, with going out to comedy shows and like attending shows, I was starting to get inspired again. Like a lot of my joke ideas, I guess, come from just living my life and observing things. And because I was trapped in a house for so long, I wasn't really like living. Yeah. I mean, I was microdosing mushrooms, but like, eh, ventured territory. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so just like going to see shows, I would like, hear somebody else's thought and then just have an idea and I'd write it down real quick. I've been traveling a lot the past couple months and that alone, I feel like I have at least 10 new minutes that I didn't have before. And that's just for me going to Iowa. Uh (laughs) What's the airport like now? (laughs) And like, what's St. Louis? What's going up, going up there? You, you did mention that you wanted to do more, more festivals at the, when we were talking the first time and this year you've managed to, to knock out quite a few. I have. <laughs> New York City Comedy Festival with the Tall Tales, mm-hmm. the Des Moines. Des Moines uh, Comedy Festival. It just had its first year. Um, they used to be Beast Village Comedy Festival, but I think they had to rebrand. Mm. Uh, and then Flyover Comedy Fest, which I had done before the pandemic, reapplied, and this was the post-pandemic one. Mm-hmm. Um and it was a little bit smaller, but they still had really great headliners, um, like Rachel Feinstein, Jeremiah Watkins, um, uh, Julia Rossi, people like that. Um, and then Moon Tower, and I'm about to do San Francisco Sketch Fest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing quite a few. <laughs> do you have to balance your work? life situation to be able to hit up these and all the preparation you need to do to to be ready for a festival too yeah i mean the beauty of uh doing a festival show at least at the level that i'm at is most of the time they're just asking for like seven to ten minutes Mm. of the most part and luckily comedy in austin has been keeping me really busy (laughs) So I'm getting the reps in. So in terms of that preparation, it wasn't too strenuous. It's more like just the travel plans. I used up a lot of PTO. It's all gone. (laughs) Uh, Announcement for the pod, for the listeners. I did put in my two weeks notice of my job job (gasps) yesterday. Wow. Because I was, I'm honestly exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was tired of, I was trying to do all my work stuff and then also all my performance obligations. And so I would like work five days a week and then travel all weekend doing shows and then come back and then repeat. And I was having no time to recharge. And as an introvert, I know how I ended up doing comedy because I'm an introvert (laughs) and I'm a morning person. So (laughs) somehow, yeah, yeah, so I was exhausted. So I was just like, you know what? I have a good amount of savings after the pandemic. Um, So I'm going to just take a few months off of working, Mm -hmm. of, you know, sucking up to the man. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to focus on me. Yeah. Focus on myself. Figure out what I want to do. Focus on my writing. And hopefully, you know, 
keep on booking, keep on traveling, yeah. and hopefully turn some of those into dollar signs mm-hmm. where they pay me <laughs> to come out. Come on now. I read your, your credentials. You're getting paid. I'm getting paid. <laughs> I know. But I could always use more. Yeah, right. <laughs> when did you start thinking about making this big leap? Because this is a big, you know, if you listen to enough comedy podcasts, there's always that thing, you're not ready to commit until you quit that full-time or part, you know, that other job. Yeah, and it's just like, it's it's a hard thing to do. I think it was like Matthew Broussard had this like Twitter joke that was about that where he's like, it's funny when people ask me like when I knew it was time to quit my job, like it was one time and not six or seven <laughs> times. Yeah. Because the problem is like, sure, I can make this choice now, but who knows, like, you know, savings run out, mm-hmm. uh, shows get canceled, uh, bookings fall through. And then you're like, please, sir, can I have my job back? <laughs> I miss having health insurance. Yeah. So that could be a reality. But also, I'm excited to to bet on myself and, and see if I can do it. Because I think the benefit of traveling and having done all these festivals now is me getting the sense that... I'm just as capable as everybody else. I just have to make them learn who I am or let them know who I am. And then I'm out here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I have to imagine that when Cap reopens, you're going to be tapped on the shoulder for hosting, featuring, you know. Yeah. Oh, I've already already slid into their DMs. (laughs) Yeah. And it's no longer just, you know, Cap City, the insular entity. It's now part of a helium network. So, yeah. So who knows? And it is such a networking type business and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, I'm to the point where I'm like, I just want to be, you know, somebody's and friend on a show (laughs) where it's like Doug Benson and friends or like this person and friends. I was like, I would be a nameless friend. I'm ready for that. I'm ready to, you know, do what Vanessa Gonzalez is doing and Mm -hmm. like go on tour and hang out in the private jets. God. Me on a private jet? Get out of here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would love to go on the road with someone. Um, so hopefully that can happen, Captain. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Um, speaking of Vanessa, we actually went to go see her at Sure Thing at, oh, on yeah. Friday night. And I was looking at Instagram uh, today, and she's posting about how she performed at the AT&T Center. I know, like, those photos look insane. Yeah, going from the small venue to the big venue, and it's like, oh man, that's amazing. She's she's so talented, yeah. and she deserves every bit of success that she's gotten. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, though, because I remember when I started, and like, how how beloved she was in this scene, and then like... Every single opportunity she's gotten, there's just been, like, so much love and support Mm -hmm. for her um, from Austin. Yeah. Uh, And she's she's killing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I would like to say that I think there's a lot of love in this scene for Brett (laughs) as well. (laughs) And that path, I think, can... Uh. Well, we're both pretty cute. Yes. And, <laughs> and professional, consummate professionals. I've always had a favorable impression of Vanessa's professionalness. So Yeah, I, that's the that's our that's... theater kid core. <laughs> we have a lot of training in uh-huh. the back. We're like, thank you, five, you know? We're, we're trained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so you, you've, you've made this big commitment for yes. yourself. And you're gonna you're gonna be recharged to take on you know 
whatever's ahead of you. Mm-hmm. What, uh, as somebody that has been in the Austin comedy scene for five, six years, six years, six years come January, it'll be yeah. my anniversary. What did you do? You think about the Austin comedy landscape post can can uh, post pandemic? It's funny you mentioned that because I was talking to my buddy about it the other day. Because, like I said, I keep talking about it, but I've been traveling. <laughs> She's cosmopolitan, and everybody has questions about Austin right now. Yeah. Everybody's from other scenes are curious about what's going on here. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think the the landscape is changing. It's growing. There's a lot of talk about Austin. People are excited about the scene. And for those of us who started in the scene, it was always great in our eyes, you know. But now there's more of a national focus on the comedy that's coming out here. Uh, So we're getting a lot of new people into the scene and it's a numbers game, right? There's more new people. So statistically, there's more new people who suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, that's, that's just odds. That's, just that's odds. statistics. It's math. And that's I'm, just math. Yeah. Um, and, you know, comedy, if nothing else, is sort of a meritocracy where I think, like, ultimately you can't survive in the business if you're not funny and not bookable mm-hmm. uh, or not decent to work with or a good hang. Yeah. So some of those people might naturally fizzle out and some of those people might stick around, might get better, might get to know some of the old scene and hopefully, you know, we can come to some sort of mutual respect, but it still feels like, and I think it's because comics are mentally stunted at the age of 15 and that I speak to myself as well, but it's become a little bit of a pissing contest right now where it's like, who can his hardest and furthest (laughs) and it's ridiculous (laughs) um but i hope we can kind of come together yeah i mean my my observation is it definitely feels like there's the the pre the 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 pre-covid royalty of comedy and now with covid and with so many venues opening up and so many people like saying "Ah, i'm gonna do comedy and uh that started last summer Mm -hmm. uh and them thinking that because everybody else was playing it safe, they're out of the game. So we are now comedy royalty. And it's like, yeah, no, there's, that's still comedy royalty. And these are still people that had been, you know, at these yeah. high levels of, of performance. They just made decisions to be safe. Yeah. And I mean, like, speak one of these people, like Mac Blake, who's such a big name in Austin, mm-hmm. like, I'll see him on a show every once in a while, but you don't think it, Mac, Mac could go into hibernation for nine months and then come out and still be funnier off the cuff yeah. than some of these people that have been working nine months. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, that stuff doesn't fade. Mm-mm. So yeah. it is scary because it's just like I was saying, like, you're worried you won't be relevant anymore. But uh, if you're funny, they'll book you. Yeah. 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 Uh, and not that I'm, you know, a workhorse at far, as far as producing comedy shows, but now that I do book my own show, I know who my go-tos are for, you know, being reliably funny, not being dicks, and, you know, being good people to have around yeah. at, at your show. And, you know, I'm still kind of testing the waters. Like, one of the missions that I have... Uh, when 2022 starts is starting to interview some of these newer names because 
maybe I have this bias against them and I need to kind of yeah. get over and, and not make it a, you know, there's, there's the pre-COVID people and there's, they still rule. And I'm not going to pay attention to any of these new people. Yeah. There's always something to learn. And like, you know, some of these shows that the other people are producing, they are well attended and they are Mm -hmm. very popular and stuff like that. And they have cultivated an audience for themselves. So maybe there is something there, you know, maybe there is some juice worth the squeeze. But to saying that you have nothing to learn from them, and I think yeah. is probably doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Um, which is why I hope we can come together. But it it does feel like each one of them thinks that they can't exist in the same environment at the same time. Like this yeah. town ain't big enough for the <laughs> two of us, and it really is it that way. Like we yeah. can we can coexist, <laughs> but <laughs> not to make a coexist yeah. bumper sticker <laughs> joke, but. It, there are ways to do that, but I think it's, it feels very much like people are telling you, pick a side. Pick a side yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are some people that I have not seen before that I've started seeing on shows. I'm like, mm-hmm. they're funny. They mm-hmm. got something to say. Yeah. And I've tried to bring some of those people onto high tea. Like if I see someone at Buzzmill, I was like, I don't know who this person is. And they're like, oh, I just moved here from like, you know, uh, like Oklahoma. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> and so... And that way, it's keeping the scene yeah. alive. It's keeping us stronger, you know? Austin has always had, like, a bunch of very unique voices. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say, like, Austin had a style. If you ask me to ask, what, like, what's Austin's style yeah. in comedy? I don't think it has a style. <laughs> yeah. It's the sum of its parts. And so these people are just adding right. to it. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I'm sure L.A. and New York are the same. There's just there's a wider flavors it's not like 31 flavors of ice cream anymore now it's like there's even more flavors of ice cream because we're a bigger city yeah even outside of just the fact that we're a growing comedy scene we are a bigger city and so yeah and any change is always painful yeah change is always painful yes <laughs> uh it's like when you're little and you remember that feeling of just like you'd go to bed at night and you could feel your bones grow <laughs> It feels like that. Yeah. But in the back of your mind all the time, you're yeah. like, oh, God, I'm, I'm so uncomfortable at this bar right now. You're like, oh, my bones are growing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Uh, you you have a tattoo of egg. Yes. How is the troop doing? Uh, well, I mean, we're still all in touch. We still have a group chat going. But it's funny because, uh, so Robin moved back to their hometown. I, I believe it's Cincinnati. Oh, I'm not a, sure it is. It's a C. It's near, I might, might be it's Columbus. The, Columbus. Yeah, it was a, I think it was, it was started with a C. Yeah. Uh, moved back to Ohio. Um, but I reached out to them on Instagram and stuff. And then uh, we've all kind of scattered to do our own projects, but like, each of us is still writing, so sometimes we'll still share our writing with each other and still keep in touch. We have done some improv together post-pandemic, huh. and it's been so fun. <laughs> it's always insane. It's always, like, the craziest thing yeah. of my week, but uh, they're still some of the funniest weirdos I know, <laughs> and I love them to death. <laughs> improv was a big part of, like, your time in 2018 when we were talking. Yeah. Is it, now is it more off kilter as far as stand-up is really where you're spending 
Yeah, I think stand up is more where my heart is. Um, maybe it's my ego. I don't know. <laughs> it's like I just love to hear myself talk. Um, no, but I think uh, improv is just one of those things. Like when it's good, it's great. But when it's bad, it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, it's just like hard coordinating schedules and stuff. So from just like a pure ease standpoint, it's mm-hmm. like uh, I can't always make sure everybody else is being safe, but I can at least make sure I am. Yeah. Um, so I haven't been doing as much improv, but it still brings me joy. I still like watching great improv when it happens. Yeah. The festivals that you've gone to, have you been able to catch any improv? I've been able to catch some improv, um, but it's, oh my gosh, but improv people make the worst stand-up audience. (laughs) I was doing this show in... St. Louis, and it was Jeremiah Watkins was the headliner, and there was this old guy in the front, and everybody was kind of like making jokes. All the openers were like making little jokes with him, and he was fun, and it was kind of mm-hmm. cute at first. You're like, oh, we like this guy; he's silly. Yeah. <laughs> but then Jeremiah goes up, headliner, respect. Uh-huh. You know, you listen. But this guy always had something to say, oh, and he he would talk and respond to every joke oh, as if it was. An initiation for a scene, but it was not. And you'd think you'd be done, but they had always one more thing to say. And I would love to say that maybe a producer or someone took him out, but nobody did. So for 20 minutes. Oh my God. It was so strange. And I mean, Jeremiah was such a professional the whole time that uh, he was like, he was like, uh, he was like, how to end this weird show? He's like, what if this was my dad the whole time? And I just didn't tell you. He's so good at crowd work, and he's—I have seen Jeremiah perform so many times. He's yeah, because so he was at, at Moon Tower. Down. Yeah, and during the, I told him afterwards. I was like, what? I was like, I remember seeing you at Moon Tower, and it was that show at Creek in the Cave. I don't know if you were there. I don't think so. But the he went up first, and the mic went out. Oh, God. And so he does this whole, like, British actor character. And he goes, <laughs> who needs a microphone when you can project? <laughs> and, like, instead of doing a stand-up set, just kind of riffed with it uh-huh. until the mic situation was sorted out and took that bullet for everybody else. But it's funny because, like, I was like, the two times I've seen you. Something has happened. <laughs> Something has happened. <laughs> But you've handled yourself so well. I couldn't tell anybody what your set is. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could tell them, you're in for a treat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love Jeremiah. We both do. We've traveled to go see him perform. And I have him on my, my Moon Tower Comedy Wham episodes. Yeah. And, you know, as, as his uh, star has risen, I get less and less time. <laughs> And that's our running joke now. It's like, I'm going to have to give you less time, but I'm still going to talk to you every Yeah, I know. He's like the voice of one of those animated Joker se- yes. series. Yeah. Yeah. That's so like, you know, yeah. you sh- people get Oscars for that now. It's so crazy to me. Can I just tell you that? It is so crazy to me yeah. how the Joker has become the new Hamlet. Like everybody thinks they have to show me their Joker. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, who's next? Uh-huh. You know, Mel Gibson. <laughs> We got to see Mel Gibson's Joker. It's wild. It's just like, it's just like boys just wanting to show you how crazy they can be. It's just like, oh God. 
Okay, Brett. Brett, okay. Okay. If you had to be an animated voice for a character, Hamlet's off the table, but... <laughs> They're not doing a <laughs> Hamlet animated series? Not anytime soon. But you know they did do Hamilton, and that kind of got big. So mm, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, who who would you want to voice as an animated character? Ooh. Ah, la, la, la. It's an animated character. Well, I mean, you you read me for like a mom character, so I, I was like, I could play like a mom on any of those like sitcomy type shows. Like, uh, I could do a character on F is for Family, probably. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> gosh, I don't know, maybe like a Batgirl vibe. I could do that. Probably pretty technical savvy. Yeah, you know, cheeky. Mm-hmm. I could do that. Um. <laughs> wears glasses <laughs> what what else can i say you are still to this day the only uh comic that i know that has a superb mythology joke so oh you know, thank you i mean if, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did that at a college recently and they're like oh my god yes <laughs> but then i made a joke about like uh missing kids on milk cartons and they were like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't quite get that. I know, and I'm like, I'm not that old, but I remember owning cassettes. I remember having cassette tapes. I, I, I was telling this joke where I was like, I was like, I remember cutting in front of George Bush Senior to rent a VHS copy of Rockadoodle from a blockbuster video, which is a sentence that can't exist anymore. Oh. <laughs> There's too many points of cultural reference in that joke that just don't work, don't translate. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm going to wait till you, yeah, till you take that. Set. That's a good retirement home joke. Yeah. They'd get it. <laughs> well, that's my target demographic anyway. <laughs> I was like, I, you know, some people are out here trying to be like, you know, the man's man comic. I'm out here trying to be the grand man's comic. <laughs> I'm out here for the G-Maws and the Peepaws. <laughs> that's my that's my crowd. Brittle bones, all of them. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, do, you, do you see yourself leaving Austin and going to a city that has, like, big-time writing jobs or acting jobs? Uh... Sadly, I mean, bittersweetly, I do only because even though Austin is growing and we are getting more eyes on us, it's still, you go where the opportunities are. Mm -hmm. uh, And until they start like producing a lot of those shows here, uh, you know, the jobs are always going to be elsewhere. But hopefully we get back to the point or Texas creates more film incentives for them to do that. But I think so. Um, and hopefully I can, you know, still have Austin with me. Yeah. I was actually heartened when I uh, I saw Vanessa at Sure Thing um, this Friday night. And one of the things that I was heartened to hear, because I, I, she had moved to L.A. And I knew she had come back to spend time with her, her family. But I had assumed since she got picked up for this big, you know, touring gig that she had gone back to LA and I was really happy to hear that she has stayed here, that like this yeah. is, this is home for her. And I'm like, that's great because when you reach a certain level, like if you're touring, 
then you can have a home base wherever you want. Yeah. I mean, there are nationally touring comics that are moving here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Rogan, for the example. And I don't know if Tom Segura has moved here. They just set up their podcast studio here. I thought they had both moved. I thought they had both moved, too. So, and I know David Borey just moved back to um, Colorado, back to Denver. Mm-hmm. And he was out of L.A. for a while. And he's the voice of Comedy Central, for heaven's sakes. Huh. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I'm still in the grind part of my career where I don't have that leverage to be like, oh, you know, the money will come to me. So right now I am still in the pursuit position of wherever that money goes. And right now that's taking me coast to coast. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're smart about it because you're right. Getting to those festivals gets eyes on you. And that, boy, that San Francisco sketch fest is huge. It's huge. And so it might be one of those cases where I go and then, like, you're buried by so many other things. Mm -hmm. Um, So who knows? But uh, I'm reaching out to some theaters in L.A., so maybe I can take our show there as Mm -hmm. well. Uh, Because, uh, yeah, I like like people to see me. Yeah. Uh, Because I think I have something to offer or contribute. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, the model that Joey Z has just implemented with he's taking close show on the road. I mean, which is so smart, and he has tea. such a strong brand. Mm-hmm. High tea, yes. so <laughs> high tea, such a ladylike thing. Yeah. But you know, wherever I go, I'll just bring like a little nanny McPhee bag mm-hmm. or something. All my all my tricks in this little duffel. I think that is the first recorded Nanny McPhee reference on Comedy Man Presents. What can I say? There's a little bit of something going to be for everybody. Yeah. You're like, is she five years old or 55 years old? I'll never no, tell. A lady never tells. A lady never tells. I have a very intense moisturizing routine. That's so important. It's so, so important. important. You don't know how many times I've gotten drunk at a bar and just like yelled at the men for be like, you got a lotion right after you shower. You got to lock it in. I don't know. These guys just season themselves like a cast iron skillet and just like blast themselves with rock salt. I'm so so sorry. It's okay. I feel like I've just done the wind-up toy and just like... Oh, yeah, just let me babble. And I'm just like, oh, they lose weight so fast and they... <laughs> and their skin is perfect without any effort. Yeah. And that's just not fair. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, real talk. Real talk. I know that the getting to, to open with uh, for Maria Bamford was like a big fucking deal for you. Yes. Um, how did you feel after that experience? Um, it was so weird because I had to immediately run to another show. I feel like I didn't get the time to savor it that I would have liked. But after my set, we had a brief like run in in the green room. And she said, you're very good with words. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, Maria, that's like 80% of what I do. I talk. And it was such, it was such a her thing to say. Yeah. Uh, and I see this as a huge fan. Yeah. But it was just like, I was like, Maria Bamford said I'm good with words. I was like, 
you can't tell me anything. Mm-mm. I was like, I could bomb the rest of the shows this weekend. I was like, comedy could even not work out. And I will have opened for Maria Bamford, and she said I'm good with words. <laughs> like, it meant so much that I, it was like, it became like a suit of armor. Yeah. And the rest of the fest just went by as a blur because I was just like, I'm good with words. <laughs> you know, or you, you'll just say something to someone and then years later they'll be like, it changed my life. Yeah. And I feel like that's what I'll do is I'm going to find her one day. I'm going to find her. I'll track her. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, you said I was good with words. She'll be like, I don't know you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it meant so much to me. And everybody on that show um, who I met, Aaron Foley and... Um, uh, and everybody, Fortune Feimster, such a great weekend. Yeah. Have you given thought to recording an album? I have. Um, I don't think I have a full hour mm. as of yet. I could do a little EP. Yeah. Um, which might be cute. You know, it's like me, very petite. <laughs> um, just do a little forty-five record. Yeah. Um, but I have thought about it. It is one way to get myself out there. It's funny, though, because it's just like as I've moved up and I have achieved a certain level of success, I still kind of in my own head view myself as very much a comics comic. Like the people who know me like me, but a lot of people don't know me. Mm. So I could produce the record, but I feel like it would be at great personal expense. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of people might not buy it. Um, And maybe that's me looking down on myself as a way. But, you know, I just... Uh, you know, I'm I'm old reliable. I'm not the sexy boom boom ow ow <laughs> brand that I need to be to, you know. I know, but when somebody wants that, you know, nice comfort blanket and <laughs> know. they know, okay, old reliable here, not oh. not a pun about your age. No. But reliable here, I can, you know, put the vinyl on the on the turntable and listen to, to Brett and I have thought about it. I mean I've I've also thought about Maybe getting back into the podcast game, mm. if the, if there's even still any room, because yeah. there's always there's so many. There's so many. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd like I'd like to record an album, but I think I'm still a ways away because I'd like to have a full hour, and I'd like to at least be nominated for funniest person in Austin on the on the Austin Chronicle. Yeah. I'd like to, a nomination. Okay. <laughs> um. To my listeners, all yeah. tens of you. Please write in. Just write that in. How it's it's how yeah. it's spelled how it sounds. <laughs> and, like, like Joey Z, you could just do Brett V. I know, or Christina P. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, there's like a there's like a poem and it's like, you know, give your daughters complicated names, you know. Because men should struggle with, like, how to pronounce them or how to understand them. And I don't think I'll change my name because I think of it as a sign of respect if they get it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if I simplify it for them in my own brain, I feel like I'm psychologically making myself smaller for their comfort. Mm. And I don't want you to be comfortable. Yeah. (laughs) I'm on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't change your name. Don't change your name. Yeah. If you have a beautiful, like, if you're a girl and you have a beautiful ethnic name, please, that's your brand. Yeah. Don't change it. 
for the longest time I hated having the name Brett because it was so gender confusing, mm. but now I've really embraced it. And I, I even do like marketing with myself in beards. Yeah. And so, yeah, just like make your, make other people uncomfortable, mm. make them accept you how you want them to accept you. Right. Not in a way that's easier for them. Yeah. Oh, we got deep again. I know. Sorry. <laughs> no, why? I don't know. Why did you just apologize? Ugh, it, it's, it's, the, it's the way the matrix brings mm. <laughs> to me. No. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? You ready to dig into that sordid past yet? No. I'm oh, kidding. No. I'm kidding. Oh, gosh. Well, then we're no. going to get deep again. Yeah. And then we're going to be like, huh? oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is there anything we didn't cover? Uh, improv uh sketch future oh how past. was your your velveta room headlining it was fun i had a blast uh i mean velveta velveta crowds are are so interesting because <laughs> sometimes they're great and then sometimes they're drunk yeah <laughs> sometimes they're great drugs yeah. but that's rare um but it's funny because uh I had I had some old friends come that hadn't seen me do comedy in a while and they were able to see my growth and like all the different things I'm doing. Uh and that was really great to be able to hear them talk about it and my one friend uh who has a smile like sunshine. <laughs> you know who you are. Uh she was saying she was just like it's so funny cuz I want to go back and re-listen to the jokes because you had so many small little details and one-liners in your jokes that I feel like I could re-listen to it over and over again and get something different, which I think was a really nice note to hear. A lot of guys, I think they thought they saw Brett on the title and they came in. There was one night where it was like all dudes in the front row and then they they put their grubby little feet on my stage. Oh. <laughs> they put their they put their little feet on my stage. I wanted to kick it off, but I didn't because <laughs> I'm a lady. But it was it's funny though because I don't think of myself as like a, a boys boys comic, but the guys loved it. Huh. They were great. Yeah. They came up to me afterwards. They were like, "We had a great time. You're really funny." One guy was like. You remind me a lot of Tim Dillon. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I was like, wow. well, he's an amazing stand-up yeah. comedy comic if you've ever seen him. Um, I was like, well, we don't agree politically, but... <laughs> and I've literally never gotten that before, but <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Because um, he is really funny. Um, but he isn't he more of like a wild, crazy persona on stage? He, I mean, he's, he's just... He's big. Yeah. He's like Chris Farley-level energy big on stage. Yeah. Um, and so it's so funny to think of myself that way because I, like I said, I'm very petite. You just throw me in, throw me in a satchel, um, throw me over your shoulder like a little stone. Uh, but it's funny to think of myself as big on stage because I want to be big on stage. Yeah. You know, when you're on stage, you want to own the stage. You want to be that big personality. Right. So I'm ready to make myself big. I'm ready to be big. <laughs> I'm ready to move, be big, be big time. I'm ready for everybody to say, wow, Brett, success has really changed you. And I'm like, I've been famous in my head for years. I was waiting for everybody to catch up. 
I like that your ambition is that you want people to say success is really changing. Oh yeah, I yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start <laughs> posting all those quotes Ty Wynn has on his wall, where it's just like, if you don't have haters, you're doing something yeah. wrong. <laughs> you're like, wow, Brett's really changed. Do, do you want haters? Please no. Okay. <laughs> but also, I think at least, like I was saying, like I think I'm comfortable with haters, yeah. like because usually when you have haters, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Like you know, if if someone doesn't like my jokes or they don't like my success, it's probably something to do with them and their situation. Mm-hmm. And also, like I said, I just quit my job in customer service. <laughs> I was like, literally, you could like spit on my eyeball and call me scum. And I'd be like, is there anything else I can help you with today? I'm comfortable with haters. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Comedy Wham uh, puts, a, puts this uh, fine line or puts their foot down and says, do not hate Brett. <laughs> if I hear of any haters towards Brett, then yeah. we will we will be reprimanding them sternly. I got some very tall platform boots, and I will stomp your <laughs> butt. Very good. All right. Well, uh, if you don't have anything else, I think I'm I'm good with everything I've learned about uh, you today. <laughs> oh, good. Well, thank you so much for having me on, and in your first show back in your home. I know. Yay. Uh, now if I could just find all the plugs that I need for all of my equipment. Yeah, Miss uh, Purrington told me that she ate them. God so. damn it. Does <laughs> not surprise me. She's actually been very polite during this. Um, so, as I mentioned, I usually do the mm. one word past, one word future. Do you have an updated word to describe your future? Uh, does it have to be one word? I'm going to make it a word, but I'm going to make it a hyphen. Eh. Big time. <laughs> That's work. That works. I, I can accept that. There's no police. There's no one word police. Oh, just, so. thank God. Another, another text bracket, you know, not doing their jobs. Oh God. Yes. Oh, that could be a whole other hour conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't hate Brett, especially if you're not the police. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm not driving with plates. <laughs> well, don't, uh, do I have to edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> Come at me, fool. <laughs> well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents Brett Vervoort. Tell us where we can find you on social media and promote, promote. Yes, uh, you can find me on Instagram at grandma's lil shit that's l-i-l shit grandma's lil shit uh and then i have a special show uh this friday after thanksgiving we're doing a special post-holiday drunk spelling bee called blackout friday (laughs) it's gonna be a really fun show we have kat ramzinski who is also on the new york comedy festival and one another (laughs) austin legend Justin Hicks, Yola Lou, Mason Pitluck. It's going to be a good time. Uh, and please, you don't want to be stuck home with your family. <laughs> come. Come out. Come drink with us. And high tea? And high tea, uh, which is going to be the third Monday of every month at the ballroom. And yeah. 
play, win, get some CBD pre-rolls, uh, and I might have a line soon on some psilocybin tea. Please don't be cops listening to this. <laughs> but I'll take care of you. Awesome. Well, we hope you've enjoyed, enjoyed learning about how Brett got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham Presents. But Brett, God bless. <laughs> this has been Comedy Wham Presents. Brett Vervoort. Yes. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Brett. Thank you. <laughs>